Hello, and welcome to episode four of the Todd and Taylor Show, uh, season one. I'm Todd A. And Taylor Trask. Taylor Trask is with me. Um, we're not with me physically, but... Um, I'm always with you, Todd. With <laughs> I'll always be with you. <laughs> Thank you. I'm like, I'm like Tangina and Poltergeist. I'm going to start... Every time I'm on this podcast, I'm like, I'm always with you, Todd. The spirits are always with you. See, we may have missed a great <laughs> angle to the podcast that we could have done. This is Todd and his spiritual <laughs> his ghost his ghost pal Taylor. Yeah. Like, yeah. So would I have to speak in a spooky voice though? If I was your ghost pal, I mean, would I have to? Could I just be? Would people buy it if it was just me talking like I normally am? I don't know. I think there would have to be something like you would constantly be. Uh, speaking through helium or something that would be that would just add to the gimmick. Plus, it would it would slowly poison you throughout the yeah, show. Yeah, and eventually and would you would just ghost. be a ghost. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, and then then we'd know for sure. It's like okay, now we're gonna do the show. He's really a ghost. <laughs> now, how does he really sound? And then we can we can use that as a benchmark for everybody else. And and then we could basically turn the podcast into almost a a discussion piece on how ghosts are mistreated in the popular culture, you know, just yeah. by mis- misinterpreted and all that kind of stuff. If we can make it more of a, you know, one of those kind of cause kinds of things. And it, you know, that would be great. And honestly, if we, if we really stretched out and appealed to the sort of coast to coast AM crowd of ghost watchers and stuff, we might draw a larger audience. Yes. Yes. <laughs> We've clearly, <laughs> you know, a possibly more passionate audience. Too, yeah. Dare. Wedged they, ourselves into a little niche here. Um, those people love that stuff. So, yeah, so uh, we were not actually going to talk about ghosts today. We were going <laughs> not to at all. About, um, comic books. Yes, it's been a while is, since we've talked about that. Has yes, and I I had to make a note to myself as we were pressing record that we so we did this so we did the season zero which was six episodes where we were kind of finding our feet doing a podcast and. Um, we did the, the first episode. We were like, man, that was so awesome. And we immediately, like two days later, we're like, let's do another episode. And we decided to dedicate it to comic books. We talked mm-hmm. for like an hour and a half, almost two hours on comic books. <laughs> we, we get done. We press stop. Uh, I, I believe you sent me the, the files to edit. And uh, the audio cut out at like 30 minutes. <laughs> That's right. This was back in the old days, too, before we had – I mean, now we, now we have the, the, the beauty and technology of Google Hangouts aiding us. But that was back when we were, you know, we were scraping yeah. by with Audacity and some weird other app thing. And it was just – it was a dark time. It was, it was a dark time. It does, it does feel like, like <laughs> I don't know, like many years ago now. Yes. But, um, yes, yeah, so we did this episode and uh, lost – a, a giant chunk of it and so i had made this note like i don't actually know if we mentioned like you know if if someone were to have listened to episode 0.5 as we called mm-hmm. it i don't even know what we talked about then i did not go back and listen to it this week so um, I, I would we, like if you're listening to this now we i would ask that you do go back and listen and then report to us what we said yeah so please we'll, please tweet at us what we talked about in that episode because we're not going to go back and listen to it no. No. But there was a great thing about it because we, first of all, we went off on Image Comics, which we were both mm-hmm. huge fans of. Um, and off we in also, a good way. Keep, well, keep in mind. Don't oh, yeah, yeah. We just, we just, that was like, we talked for 90 minutes about Image Comics. We just, we love so many titles on that. And um, we, uh, and it, but it, I thought it was such a great episode in its original conceit because it established several of the titles we follow regularly, yes. Um, yes. which though we both, read a lot of image um we were we were following different titles there so we're assuming most of that is just lost to digital 
uh, well, history and at this point. So, probably, so probably. probably part of this episode should be maybe talk. You know, we're going to hit some of those points again. Mm-hmm. So that I, that was a long-winded way of saying if you happen to remember what we talked about in episode 0.5 and we say some of the same things, it's because we don't remember what we said in 0.5 and we thought most of it got lost. So we're coming. Let it be said too, that this is, this is sort of, um, we're, we're going to hopefully do this at least once a month where in between sort of our top, our, uh, you know, our evergreen shows, if you will, our topic driven shows, we're going to do just a comic checkup just to see what we were, you know, because as after a month, like a lot of new things have come out, you and I have, wonderfully different tastes so i feel like there's always a good time to kind of regroup and just see what we're up to you know comic wise and just and go from there yeah and and there's yeah it is a it is a fertile topic there's so much for us to talk about so let's waste no further time unless you had other points of business i say we jump into this i mean i was going to talk more about ghosts but for sure (laughs) well why don't we talk about sort of Maybe maybe there's no ghosts in there, <laughs> but one of the titles that you um, brought up this this is a great way to start because mm-hmm. in that podcast you talked about you're a huge fan of this book Wicked and Divine. Yep, it's on Image. Um, I wish I could say the names of the authors, but I believe there's four of them, or this I don't know. Maybe there's yeah, two, they're pretty. Four. From what um, I understand, they're they're sort of they're you know they are known from other th- other projects too. So this is kind of like uh you know and I I didn't know any of that. Up. Did you know of them before? Like I, no, before? not at all. I mean, I, I'm still so new to comics that, like, when people say these names, I'm like, the only name that sort of resonates with me at this juncture, other than you know Neil Gaiman and Alan Moore, is, is um, Jonathan Hickman, who we I've, I've gone on about on and on about. So like these, I mean, hopefully, hopefully, I'll, I'll you know, reading Wicked and Divine, I'll get into the you know the that team's other stuff and and enjoy it just as much. Well, I'll so you. You uh, were full of praise for it in our in that last episode. I was. Um, so I picked up the book, um, and I'll tell. And I may have actually related this to you. You know what? I think we did. I think we did another podcast that was lost to history about San Diego Comic Con. Yeah. Um, but so anyway, I pick up the book at San Diego Comic Con this year at the Image booth. Great um, place for it. And I'm standing in the in the not in the uh, not in the. Con- oh my God! Of course, I, I'm. <laughs> Never mind. My words fail me even when I'm not being recorded, so it doesn't really matter. Um, but uh, I mean, I'm in the uh, the exterior hallway. I'm not in the convention hallway. Oh, sure. Vendors. I'm outside, <clears throat> but I'm still in the building. And uh, excuse me. Amongst the cosplayers, just there. Yes. And I'm I'm standing with my friend Chris, and uh, I Chris and I are talking about cosplayers. And I said, and we were, we were saying we didn't see as many this year. And I I said, yeah. And there's that thing too where um, sometimes. I, you know, I have a hard time. Some of the dress is so uh, uh, everyday-ish that I'm. I sort of don't feel like. Are you officially cosplaying, or are you is this an <laughs> is this an everyday cosplay thing? And I said, like, look at this, and I point out uh, this young woman who is in this white suit with her blonde hair, short blonde hair, slicked back, and this black streak in it. And uh, I was like, I just honestly don't know. She's she is either super dapper. Or she's cosplaying, mm-hmm. and, and we discuss it for a minute. And Chris is like, I think she's cosplaying. And I'm going, I think she just dresses sharp. So we depart. I go to the train station to uh, catch my train back to L.A. Um, and I open up Wicked Divine <laughs> book one. <laughs> and I realize that I was staring at someone cosplaying as Lucy or Lucifer from yep. Wicked Divine. And I immediately yep. take a picture of it, send it to Chris. And I'm like, son of a bitch. 
<laughs> it couldn't have happened any better. I love the idea, though, that, that uh, Lucy cosplayer was walking by, and you guys were like, yeah, you can't tell anything about cosplayers. Look at this right here. Look at yeah. her. Like, Then she openly hears you guys like, now what is that? Is that real? Is it well, real? Is it, is it close? Like, I don't even know. <laughs> She's just I, like. <laughs> I hope our tone was not that. <laughs> <laughs> that horrible. That of like a night a, a, a 1920s like New York uh New York come and come and go yeah. guy like oh I don't even understand. <laughs> like Jimmy proto Jimmy Stewart just sort of like that's exactly. that, yeah. that's who I should go. I should go to Comic-Con in that like dressed as Jimmy Stewart and just sort of st- like meander like confused outside convention hall be like I don't understand anything that's going on. What you guys? I, what what is this? Like, Captain America? I, I remember when Captain America stood for something, doggone it. You know, just keep going. Anyway, sorry, that's that's. Uh, I like that idea. <laughs> too many, but so you, oh, right, so you 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 picked up issue one. You're in the train. You realize you just saw Lucy out in the real world. Yeah. Then the, the whole thing happened on the train. I I had to put the book away. I could not read it. Um, I eventually tore through it in I believe it just in one sitting. I mean, who wouldn't? It's a pretty fast read. I mean, it's a yeah. compelling first read too. So. So I'll give you my my quick uh, impression of it. So I, um, how much should we tease the story? Should we? Should I would we... say let's put a big let's just put a spoilers warning on. And well, I you know, say, let's you know just... what this is written on the back of the book. I'll read what's written on the back of the book. That'll... Perfect. Every ninety years, twelve gods return as young people. They are loved. They are hated. In two years, they are all dead. It's happening now. It's happening again. Mm-hmm. So Perfect. basically, what we find out through volume one is. Um, who these 12 historic gods are that have returned. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I guess I didn't really have a conception of it. You know, I, you had talked a little about the story, so I knew Lucifer would be in it. Okay. Um, Do you feel but, it helped you having that sort of knowledge going into it? Did you enjoy it more or less? Uh, I, I mean, I think more. I think that's okay. what interest, got me interested in it was your description of it. So um, oh. if I – because I had seen – the, the covers in comic book shops and just never really picked it up. Sure. Um, and, uh, I, you know, I can't say that I ever would have picked up the trade and turned it over to read what was written on the back cover, mm. but for you, you know, describing it. So, yeah. so yeah, that, that was definitely that, you know, that was what got me enthusiastic about it. Um, but then there was this great discovery of it's absolutely nothing like no matter how much you and I try to describe it, I don't think everyone who picks it up is still going to have a unique experience of like, Holy yes. shit, that's crazy. I never would have expected it to go down that way, you know? Yep, yep. Um, so I, I loved it. It's really stylish. Um, the art is beautiful. You and I have talked before about how we just can't read a book if we don't like the art. Exactly. You know? Yeah, that's the first thing that sucked me in. And, and, and let it be known, the way I discovered this was I was at a, one, of, one of Portland's many amazing comic shops, in particular the one that it's, it, there's a dude and it's just it, – it's like you walk into the uh, the bookstore, Never Ending Story. It's like this old guy kind of behind the counter, and there's just stacks and stacks and stacks of stuff. And you're like, how on earth can you find anything in this store? And I said that aloud, and he's just like, well, let me start you off. And he kind of slides <laughs> a pile of stuff. He's like, these are the best things going right now. And on top of that pile was Wicked and Divine number one, or volume one, I should say. And I'm like, what's what's this about? And he's like, wow, it's really good. He didn't, he didn't really give me a teaser so much as just kind of spoke highly of it. And I started flipping through, and I'm like, the art looks amazing. And just like the whole... Everything about it looks very cinematic. No wonder they're turning it into a TV show, which is yeah. awesome. 
um, adapting it into a TV show, I should say. So that's that's kind of yeah you know, that that really struck me as as well. And then just sort of the mythology component on top of that was was icing on the cake. So I'll, that's a good thing to bring up because I that's a point that I kind of wanted to speak to is that it's not a mythology that I mean, my God, you would have to be really familiar with. It, it, this is not greek gods it's not judeo-christian that's a good point uh, uh, you know deities it is not um nordic or like it is it is bits and pieces of everything you know and it's obscure Um, stuff too like they'll mention gods you're like you might have heard of you're like well i I, I, maybe and then so they sound vaguely familiar but they go like bamphomet is mentioned (laughs) and it's just like and you have to like you're, and I actually found myself after reading it through, you know, once or twice going, going and Googling, like, who's that now? Like, what do they stand for? Cause you want, you right. kind of want to know if the way they're being depicted in the book is true to sort of their archetype in mythology, you know, in proper mythology or in proper religion. Right. Right. They, totally. And so part of, I mean, part of that was interesting because it, uh, because I didn't expect it. And b- part of it was sort of that the feeling of like, I it kind of rate, it sort of raised concerns in my head, like, Oh man, they could literally take the story anywhere. And mm-hmm. I don't sometimes, you know, I don't I don't necessarily want the comic book world that I'm reading to be that open. You know, it's sort of like I sort of wanted like a what direction are we going in from You this? don't want Doctor Who and your peanut butter. <laughs> right. And uh <laughs> so it was just as we discussed on the last it was so yeah, exactly. It's so open ended. Um, but it didn't diminish my enjoyment of it. Uh, I'll, I'll tell you the art is beautiful, but um, it, my preference for art is generally a little bit more messy. And this mm. is so clean and neat. Yes. And um, uh, you know, my gosh, I, don't, I just it's uh, it, it's almost um, it, <laughs> well, it's, it's interesting. It's graphic designing was, I guess, what I was going to say. Yes, more it than, is more than sketched. You know, it's interesting. You should say your preference, though, because. For those of you who don't know, Volume 2 has since come out, uh, which is, covers this event called Fandemonium, which is kind of loosely defined, but it's, it's sort of the second part. And Volume 2 ends with a massive, amazing cliffhanger that you'd never see coming. And you're just like, holy crap. And then um, they decided in this next sort of iteration, this, this third chapter, if you will, to have a different artist draw each issue. Right. Which, we sort of talked about, I'm sure, in previous episodes of stuff, but it's, it, from my particular taste, uh, it has not yet really matched the quality or the just the vibe of, of the art you see in volumes one and two. And I'm curious if you end up if you end up getting this far, what you think of what we what, I think three issues have come out so far, um, and they're they're all three very different, and they all three, you know, I was trying to find some kind of commonality, like does this art enhance each individual issue or sort of speak to that issue and not really. It just seems kind of random to who they chose for each issue and why. And I don't, you know, it's kind of starting to become clear that they're, and, and I have an idea of why they might actually be doing this to serve the story. And if it turns out to be this way, I'll actually sort of, I'll enjoy this run a lot more. Um, I'll, I'll tease this, I'll tease this much. A, a specific character kind of one of the major characters ends up dying at the end of volume two spoiler. I mean, I'm not gonna say who it is cause it's a huge surprise. Um, but my guess is what we're seeing in these individual issues of, of, of volume three as they're rolling out might be drawn in this way to, to give you the sense that that's how this particular character is now seeing the world in their sort of retired state. Um, you know, it's never quite the same. It's never quite lucid. So maybe the, and if they end up going that way with it, I'll be very, 
very pleased. But it's it it's really jarring because each one, you know, you get really used to the art because it is so graphic. It is so very specific and clean, and it you sort of get used to the story being told in that context. That when they start bouncing around this way, it's really hard to kind of keep. You, you kind of forget which what you're reading. You're like, is this? Oh, that. I mean, these. You know, that kind of looks familiar, I guess. And they, you know. I don't know. Anyway, I'm curious to know what you think of it when you get this far. Well, and um, that that's so interesting, too, because <laughs> one thing we've talked about with Image Comics that we love is just that creator-driven yeah. theme. And, um, what, you know, one of the reasons that Image Comics appeal to me so much is you're watching that unified vision go through all the comics. You're not mm-hmm. – um, it, it's not a Marvel DC thing where – you know, there's a story arc that has the same writer and artist, and then, you know, they might bring in another artist in that same arc, and then they might roll out the, you know, the writer and bring another writer, and the artist stays on for the next arc. And, you know, you're always kind of, it, it, it's, you know, it, with with the big two, at least, it feels like um, there's certain arcs that you're more into than others. You know, mm-hmm. it's hard to be a, 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 you know, Catwoman reader forever like of yeah. every, every catwoman um you know right creator team i guess mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. and that so that's one of those great things about image so it's very strange that they're doing that in in this you know in these i think it i think it's just well the way i understand it i know they they wrote a letter because you know at the end of each individual issue or at the at the end of each i think at the end of uh, volume two they actually said hey so bear with us because the next couple issues are going to be a, a big old experiment for us i think okay. they were busy on other projects so they wanted to to help lighten the load but then i think they're also fingers crossed there is a story reason for this that will make sense yeah and that would be really cool um so uh so how many i'm sorry you just mentioned this how many issues two or three into volume three what we're calling yeah two trade paperbacks um the faust act and then fandemonium yep okay so okay we're still several months out of the next one I think I think there's two more, and then they they wrap volume three. But what what's interesting about volume three is, or the issues so far, it looks like they're focusing on the individual gods who you either hear in rumor because because you see you meet a lot of the original kind of the you know the guy the main the main characters in volume one, and you you expand on that in volume two. But there's always like three or four gods that you haven't you keep hearing about or you see them, but it's never explained kind of what their deal is. And you finally kind of get to see them and in, in, you know, have an individual issue all to themselves. So it seems like that is, that's what this is about. And, and I don't know. I, again, I'm curious to see where, how they cap it. And it may just be one of those things that, that, you know, artistically just works really well. And when we get to volume four, like we'll look back and go, Oh wow. What a, what a cool idea that was, <laughs> you know? But yeah. I can't. I it's. I, I you really need to. Get, you, I, I can't wait to talk to you about volume two because the okay. way it ends, it's like. I mean, I'm looking at this when when this. I mean, volume one sort of ended on a on a on a unexpected note as well, um, or a, yeah. a, just a crazy, mysterious, compelling note to say the least. I I I can see now the way they're writing this. It's gonna the TV show is gonna have no problem having a lot of fun with these you know these seasonal arcs based almost entirely on how the trade paperbacks are coming out. So well, and I wonder if they'll even care about the trade paperbacks because it's such a, um, you know, just once they kind of establish that, that universe, it's mm-hmm. like literally if you just make a TV show that you could, you could totally go off, off book and just, yeah. you know, put those, those 12 gods of the Pantheon in some different story mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. and just not even have to worry about reference material and all that kind of stuff. So um, that'll be interesting to see, you know, 
I don't know how, how yeah. they do that. Yeah, yeah. So if you're reading it, um, we'd love to hear your thoughts too. And then again, you and I will talk about this once you've again once you've hit uh, hit the end of volume two. Yeah, I, I uh, I'll do that. So what? So um, so now I'm going to pitch it to you because yes. you've got a series that I am not reading. Yeah, it just and this is something I just discovered last week. I've seen it in the shop the last two months. Didn't quite know what it was, and then I and the the cover art keeps changing. is is really interesting. It's called Island. And I thought it was just a you know a, a straight out series. It came to find that it's Image's attempt to resurrect the um, sort of the magazine digest of different story. You know, taking a bunch of different authors and and stories and you know things that are new, things that are old, and just kind of bringing back the the monthly digest trade. So it's it's seven ninety nine. You know, it's not you know it's kind of in that sweet spot between a trade paperback. Or a new issue, trade paperback, and then you know just a single issue, um, but it's packed with like four or five stories. There's a creative team sort of curating this content, and you get to kind of know them. But everything, I mean, even like the inside cover is um, is a cool piece of art, and you know, or just a cool you know comic of some kind. You know, and, and they get really. There's some that are pretty straightforward. Some are really, really out there. They don't really go together so much. And you know, there's there's a couple that are you know one or two pages long. A couple that are you know fifteen. 16 20 pages long um but it's just a nice oh good they're basically issue length though right um no um, well the the individual stories inside some of them are some of them aren't so like right now i'm looking at one that's like three pages Hmm. um the thing that hooked me well the cover art on issue uh on issue three of island is just is really cool and that's honestly i've seen that on the image site i'm like what is this i gotta see what this is and i started researching and i was like oh this is cool so i will probably go back at some point and get one and two um but I'm I'm sort of hooked this way forward at least for the next couple because there's this inside. It's one of the first stories. It's called Ancestor um, by Matt Sheehan and uh, Malachi Ward. And I don't even want I don't even know what to say about this thing. It it is a th- this particular story is an issue long you know a single issue long piece. Um, art's really good, but it's I don't even know how to I, I don't want to take too much time explaining what this is. Um, it really deals well with where we will be in about 10 to 20 years. If current um, social media and mobile technology keeps evolving, like what does that look like? Imagine, imagine you have just sort of a, 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 glo- a couple of globules that sort of, you know, uh, move around your head and deliver information to you. And <laughs> imagine if everybody has those and you just become used to seeing these globules sort of like, you know, these little like gelatin looking things just float around your head. Everything you want to know, like if you go to a bar and you want, there's no bartender because there's just the, you know, the bar and the, the drinks, and then you just install a recipe that you want to make and you go up there and you, you make it. It's you know kind of like the matrix in that respect that jacks in the knowledge or the information you need, but everything, every single person you see, you know, it's Google glass gone, gone completely, you know, 10 or 12 steps ahead where every person you see, it delivers all that information about what they are, you know, who they are, what they like. So you don't even have to, before you even shake their hand, you know, everything about that person. So imagine if that's the society you live in and you're invited to this party where this, you know, like this, um, you know, rich scientist kind of celebrity kind of guy invites, you know, imagine Neil deGrasse Tyson had a huge mansion and invited you out there. But as you pass through to his property, all your little globules stop because he has this feel that prevents them from working and you go to this party. And so every, you're kind of back, you know, you're back in a normal world again. How do you adjust to that? How does everybody else adjust to you? You know, what's the discomfort like? And then, Oh, by the way, you find out that at this party or at this mansion, once you're inside every door and window is locked inexplicably and it's not <laughs> clear what's going to happen. And so like all of a sudden I'm going through this thing going, this is, 
this is amazing. Like, so I'm, they're going to continue it um, in island number five. So not uh, not the next one, number four, but number five. So it's cool. And I don't know if this is a, a new story or if this is something from like the 90s that they're resurrecting. I was looking at the creative team behind this and they're very interested in, in kind of going at it from all angles. Like they're going to find cool, weird niche stuff that they might have seen you know, when they were reading comics in the 80s that they want to bring back. They're working with like new you know, it's almost like a label within image that's curating new stuff. And, you know, you can actually submit stories to them for a potential inclusion in the Island. Um, hmm. I don't know. There's just a lot of, there's just a lot of cool angles to it. So even, even if you just buy one as a, as a piece of art and just as a, as a cool, uh, you know, as a physical volume of stuff, it's just really neat. Interesting. Um, so that it's not necessarily something that they're going to spin ancestor out into its own series well there's a question i don't know i mean maybe i mean if, if it doesn't already exist as a series anyway that they're just recycling um yeah if it's brand new and it you know if people start to really like it maybe it becomes a launching pad that image is like well we don't want to do single issues per se we just want to you know we'll, we'll put it in the island and see if it works there and then we'll you know, if it becomes popular we'll spin it out you know so maybe at some point image goes god damn ancestors really popular and good let's just turn all those into a single trade paperback you know yeah um, so that could easily happen. There's another. So there's another interesting thing that just from the sound of this anthology, which is uh, um, what one of the issues we've talked about before is like that print versus digital. Mm -hmm. um, for comic books, at least, I um, I don't remember exactly where you come down on this, but I've held on to buying comics and print far longer than you know music or movies or mm -hmm. um, even books. Mm -hmm. um, <clears throat> so. Uh, but I'm I'm right at that. I wouldn't call it a tipping point, but I'm getting right mm -hmm. to that point where it's like, man, you know, at what point is it just going to be easier for me to buy digital? Um, image kind of makes it really easy to keep buying print because they're the exact same price, so I'm not yeah. spending any money. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, well, and they're and they're usually like so well art directed that yeah, you know, when you buy the it's physical version, like it's just it's a cool collector's item. It's not like you know another you know millionth copy of a superman cover that you know, you can only right. have something like each i mean you get like things like material an issue uh, series i'll talk about later that you know every every cover is like amazing like completely unique and cool and edgy and image seems to really be good at i mean they're not the only yeah. ones but they seem to at, buy on, you know on the whole be really good at that when it sounds like with island that's something you want in print because it's oversized yes. it's got this crazy art on the cover you know it's an it's an anthology series so i mean it almost sounds like everything about it is made to be an artifact not yeah. Well, I mean, it's interesting print. you say that because I debated. I was sitting here going, okay, do I want to buy the print one or do I want to pick it up? Because they sell a digital version too. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I'm like, well, maybe I want to, you know, I don't. So I got in the store though and you start flipping through it. You're like, no, this has to be the print. You got to get the print yeah. version of this. I, Not that I, the digital would be bad. It just, it, it's kind of a, a, a holer experience when you can flip through it. It's, it, it's, it's meant for that medium a bit more than digital. Yeah. Cool. Um, what about you? What's uh, what what's on your your reading list? Sure. What's well, your, since we last talked, which is I mean <laughs> so long ago, the one that I'm uh, super excited about, which is not at all new, <laughs> um, is the uh, is this image comic? No surprise. Um, called Black <laughs> Science, um, which my friend Jeremy Ferguson recommended like ages ago, um, and. Uh, I, I kind of peeked into it, I think, and then and then maybe like tweeted at you, like, "Holy shit, we got to check this thing out." It sounds like it's you know right up our alley. It's mm -hmm. sci-fi and it's image and all that kind of stuff. So I um, also at San Diego Comic Con grabbed that at the Image booth, um, Volume One. 
So mm-hmm. I'm actually like, maybe maybe you can look this up while I'm flipping through. There may only be two trade paperbacks, but ah, uh, there are there are three. The third one just okay. came out August twelfth. Okay. Um, I, for some reason, I thought they were on like seven or something like that, but maybe I'm just, maybe I, maybe I was seeing individual issues and confusing. Ah, uh, sure. Well, it looks like one of those, the way it looks, it looks like it's something that's been running for a while. Like I'm just exactly kind of browsing the artwork. I'm like, this looks like it's something that I, I would have saw, you know, and let it be known too, in, in case anybody out there is new to image. Um, what's really cool and, and what I've really come to love about them is the first trade paperback of any series is always 10 bucks. Mm-hmm. They'll bump the price to 15 or however much higher after that for subsequent volumes. But that first volume, so if you want to get into a series, it's a little bit more palpable to spend 10 bucks. And even if you hate it, you don't feel so, you know, so it just, it's not quite as, as difficult as, you know, popping 15 every time. Right, right. Oh, and it's, yeah, it's such a, <laughs> such a great idea to get into it. Um, you know, for 10 bucks, I can hook you with that. So this book is, it's just one of those. I mean, I've had, it's so crazy that I've had this experience with at least three image books, mm-hmm. um, and and probably more than that recently. Like it's just, it's everything that I want in a comic. Like it's just this is the golden age of comics to me. You know, mm-hmm. <laughs> like I can't believe that I can pick up something like this, read it in a day, and just be so utterly hooked. Art, Ooh, story, everything. Wow. So it just. Um, it concerns uh, <clears throat> uh, this dude, Grant McKay, who is the leader of the Anarchist League of Scientists. <laughs> Interesting. <laughs> who is is, cre- it, what, is this present day or is this future? It's just sort of um, – uh, I would say it's present day, but it's that's completely irrelevant because he has invented a machine called the Pillar, which um, is basically uh, – he's operating on the – multiple worlds theory that there are sort of, you know, uh, um, many different worlds, uh, dimensions, you know, operating all at the same time, many different earths, you know, it's a, um, it's kind of a trope that comes up in, in DC and Marvel too. Um, they, so he's invented the pillar, which will jump him and the team surrounding the pillar, uh, through these dimensions. And his, mm. his thinking is, uh, it, it will lead to limitless resources for his earth because mm. he will be able to sort of hop in and out of, of dimensions who have maybe, you know, solved an energy problem or solved oh, a sure. food yeah. problem or something and sort of well, get, get the answers and transport them back. That was the original conceit of sliders. If I'm not mistaken, like he invented it, they, you know, they started sliding to find, to find ways to help, you know, the current, I mean, maybe I'm mistaken. Maybe I just made that up. I don't know. It seems like that, you know, the old Fox show sliders. Yes. Seems like that's kind of what the original conceit was. I and I don't I don't remember enough of it to say that, but um, you know it's it's uh, it what they've done with it in no way reflects that DC Marvel view of multiple Earths or what you know anything like that. Like it's just everything about it is super clever. Everything they've done a really great job of um, kind of giving everything its own name so that they're mm-hmm. not talking about it like in terms of Earth One and Earth Two and you know things oh, like okay. that. Or well, like, here let me ask you this: as you're talking, I'm going through and just kind of. Uh, scoping out some of the art um, of past issues. Is every version of reality there, every alternate reality they go to just weird and messed up and dreamlike or is, is it so, and so far? Okay. Definitely for sure. And the, so the great thing about volume one is, and why I said that when you were um, asking that earlier question, I said, well, it's not really relevant, like what year it is, or, you know, is it present day or whatever, mm-hmm. because it starts with them being chased in a different dimension. 
And oh, interesting. One, one of the you know um, the constraints of the of the pillar is that it when it you know when it moves them to another dimension, it's it's like it's counting down. You know, they've got a clock counting down, so they've only got four hours in this dimension to get what they need and get back to the pillar. So he's he has had to get. Um, you know, it's it starts with he's being pursued by some alien race or whatever mm-hmm. uh, because he's had to get water to put in the coolant for the pillar before the pillar launches again and overheats, you know, so he is racing back to the pillar. And so there's this like breathless, you know, chase with all this danger in it, gets to the pillar, jumps to the next dimension um, because something screws has screwed up and it doesn't take them home. So then they're in the next dimension and it's like they land in another, you know, terrible peril and, uh, and the, and it's ticking down again. And so it's, you know, that happens, um, you know, like at least three times in this where they've jumped dimensions in this first volume. And it's like every issue, every chapter is just it literally breathless. Like, you know, wow. I mean, um, very cinematic feeling in that. Like I, I had that same feeling of when I watch a chase scene or something like that. And I'm mm-hmm. like so anxious of, you know, oh, my God, just get there in time. You know, that thing and that, ha- that has this feeling. And to, yeah, to have that in a comic book was wow. really unbelievable, and it's oh, that just sold me. I need to get into this. Yeah, it is, so it's like this this kind of crazy science, and the fact that he is like specifically like this anarchist league of scientists. So he is he's basically. I mean, he's you know, there's um, he he's taking on the establishment basically, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. then there's these. It, it does this great job of taking these characters where, you know, when you first meet these dimensionauts where they've um dimension odds yeah and you you know it's sort of like they're piecing together the story there are several flashbacks that sort of piece together the story of why this crew is on in this dimension um Mm -hmm. you know because like uh, most of them are wearing this sort of you know uh space suit and one of them is not so it's like why you know how why is this guy here and he's in a suit and tie um -hmm. so you know they're, they're um, they flashback to explain that, and there's just this great thing through this whole volume of realizing that your take on the character originally is like it's already flipped around by the end of the vol. You know, you're already like, well, that's that's just crazy. They took who the person who was obviously the protagonist and the antagonist and and flipped them around and sort of, and you like just change the way you perceive them and mm-hmm. what their motives are. Oh and, wow. It is. I mean, it's just really, really smart. And in contrast to Wicked and Divine, the art is so up my alley. Where it's, um, you know, I hate to say the word messy, mm-hmm. but it's just, you know, it's it's very sketched feeling. Oh um, sure. You know, it's an Italian artist. I don't know if that has anything to do with it. If it's a more European style or something, but it's it's definitely more uh, comic book looking. And okay. Less sort of clean graphic images like we can divine is and i and i just love like that's uh, every comic i like is kind of has that super sketched out feeling you know chew definitely has that and um and several others that escape me right now <laughs> saga is kind of like that but this is oh just, yeah you know, yeah yeah so stylish and um and it and it almost feels kind of anachronistic or something. It feels like an '80s kind of comic or something. And I think yeah, I'm that, getting that vibe a lot actually by going through this. Yeah, um, I just I mean I loved it. I cannot thank Jeremy enough for recommending this. I can't recommend it to you, hi, you know, highly enough. It is it's so good. I'm definitely grabbing volume two um, and and three, I guess, and and uh, following this where it goes. 
Well, it's interesting you mentioned that as your pick because I have the perfect segue into my next pick, and I'm not joking. It's called Nowhere Men, and very similar to um, Black Science, it's, it's something that's been around for a while. Um, the la- I think the trade, the uh, volume one trade paperback came out at the end of 2013, um, and they've been on hiatus, so you haven't seen single issues. I saw it because they re-released the uh, trade paperback. They're starting up single issues for volume two next month. So they're trying to kind of renew everybody's interest in it. So I picked this up. The, the cover looked really cool. There's a chick on the front with a T-shirt that says "Science is the new rock and roll." Oh yeah, and I, was, I remember. I was this. flipping through it, and like the art looks cool. But then I went to the back, and this kind of this just sold me right away, right off the bat. It has four, um, four you know pictures of four guys kind of standing, you know, posing in a in a photo. And it says "Science is the new rock and roll." So said Dade Ellis, Simon Grimshaw, Emerson Strange, and Thomas Walker at the dawn of a new age of enlightenment that ushered in a boom in scientific advancement. As the research supergroup WorldCore, they became the most, cele- uh, most celebrated scientists of all time. They changed the world, and we love them for it. But where did it all go wrong? And when progress is made at any cost, who ultimately pays the price? So it's about these four guys who basically, instead of, you know, instead of the Beatles happening, these guys changed the, <laughs> the popular perception of science of the 60s and became this like supergroup, right? Um, and got all this money and did all these amazing things. So there's... It's 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 got as a book. It's got this Alan Moore style of inserting all these like old like magazine covers and newspaper interviews and like you know other things that aren't just um, you know uh, sell art, right? It's just like these other story inserts, which I'm becoming increasingly a fan of. I, I like these other yeah. multimedia pieces that pop in when it's when it's and and here it works really well because they've got like these you know like Mad Men style advertising, you know like like print ads that would have come out in a magazine for these guys in the 70s you know so that's inserted in here with like a you know like a personal letter from simon grimshaw you know to you know to different things so that's all in there too and you realize you think okay this is just a this is just a cool story about these guys what it turns out to be though that is true but it it masquerades as that what it really is is the origin story of this superhero team that these guys were sort of not experimenting on but they 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 selected these you know uh, six or seven people on earth to be the first pilots in this, this brand new sort of cutting edge um, space observatory. And as, as you're getting into the story of these four scientists who got together, it's jump cutting between them and this space station. And it's kind of jarring at first. You don't quite know why this is happening. And then you realize that these guys have been up there and like, every one of them has a physical thing that's going haywire. Like one dude is like completely puffing out into like these giant <laughs> hives that are covering his body. And this other chick is her skin's peeling off and it's all black and disgusting. And another guy's got, he's, his, he's you know, becoming increasingly colder and, and his skin looks like it's turning frozen and he's getting really sick. And so they're trying to get off the space station because they know it's killing them. And they're trying to, you know, uh, re- reactivate the, um, the, uh, you know, their little Stargate thing they have that can beam them back to Earth, but there's, you know, there's complications with that. As this thing goes on, you realize that these people aren't dying. They're they're mutating into something more. So the guy with hives all over his body, I mean, by the time you think he died because he's got like these giant blisters all over, and he, he sort of, you know, as they as they pass through the, the teleporter, they, they sort of heightens their, you know, their progression. So when they land, and they all land at different parts of the Earth, 
Um, so like these guys land in South Africa and they show him and they're like, oh, he's gone. They're pushing around in like a, a wheelchair and the wheelchair is just completely covered with like these sores everywhere. So they think he just died. It turns out he emerges, you know, later on in that issue, he emerges and he's got like, he looks like an alien. But he's got super strength and he's huge and everything. And the, the blisters are basically just a giant shell that was forming around him and turning him into this. Um, the girl whose skin was falling off, she's slowly turning into sort of a, a sentient black liquid that you're, you're finding. So by the time this issue, this whole story ends, not all of them have changed, but you're starting to realize, Oh my God, this, this group of people is turning into this amazing. It's like the most amazing origin story for the fantastic four you've ever seen. Right. (laughs) So it's like, I'm I'm reading this going, Oh my God, if the movie was even slightly like this, it would be, it would be ridiculously fun. Um, As that's happening though, they're getting a lot of the backstory of these four guys because um, it's showing them now today, you know, 40 years later, 45, 50 years later, what, you know, what is their relationship with each other? There's one of them who, you know, had a ante- antagonistic relationship with them and he's, you know, he's moved on to some other things and one of them's sick. And so they're trying to reunite because of this space station disaster and try to, you know, right their wrongs. You're getting their story too. So the, by the time this ended, it's like the most amazing, as a volume, it's like the most amazing pilot episode ever. So it's, you know, it's just a really long, it's almost, it feels like a really long first issue. Well, does it, I mean, because it's, uh, because there've been some delays in it, in the next volume being worked on, I mean, is it, do you feel like you're, you're satisfied enough with that volume if this doesn't continue or is it a real, you know, real cliffhanger that you want to see resolved? Um, well, there's definitely a cliffhanger, but they've got, if you look at it, I mean, they've got the next five planned out, the covers are planned out, the release dates are, are there. So this is going to keep going. It starts, um, I think the next one is October, I should say on here, I thought I had it in here. Um, coming in October, it's, um, oh, damn, I had, I had it in here. Anyway, you, you see, and, the, and I'm really excited because the first issue, if you type in Nowhere Man on image, the first issue of the next run is a combined face of all seven of these sort of proto superheroes, you know, these, these proto mutants, if you will. Um, so it feels like it's going to jump in and, and it, and the trade, the volume one trade ended on such a note that you're like, there's going to be, they're setting this amazing chess game up. That's going to be kind of a, a classic superhero, you know, bad guy, you know, good guy sort of thing, but they're setting up in this really practical, real amazing way. So I'm, I can't wait for it to come back. Cool, man. That is such a, I mean, we've mentioned it before that, the way that Image Comics can take that that origin story and and do it like you know in the there there's sometimes they can write a comic book that's not about superheroes and yeah. it's great and then they can write them that are about superheroes and it's totally different than whatever you're expecting or what you've seen before and that's that's just so interesting to me that it's like how how do you care about superheroes again well you well and i told we discussed this before like i don't <laughs> I, right other than right. The Marvel movies like i just don't care about that archetype and like all of a sudden here i am loving an origin story you know and an amazing not realizing that's they almost kind of trick you they're like oh here's this amazing book about these scientists which is true but then they're like by the time you're done you're like god damn it i just fell in love with this superhero origin story how did damn you guys <laughs> um Maybe that's a good segue into the next one. I don't want to cut you off on nowhere. Oh, you go ahead. But I am reading a very traditional uh, superhero story that Marvel has done a little spin on, which is Thor, the goddess of thunder. Um, And since we last spoke about this, I read uh, volume two of this. Uh, I suspect volume three is soon out. Um, Now, have you been doing this uh, continuing in digital with this? Because I know that's how you started it, right? I did. 
Um, uh, and I, I, there was some motivation behind that. I, it was probably as simple as, well, I bought volume one digitally. I'll just buy volume two digitally. Okay. Um, but I really did enjoy volume one digitally and, uh, same with volume two. I thought it was great. Um, I, you know, like everything else, I love the art. Uh, I love this idea that they've rebooted Thor, um, as a woman. And also they've kind of spun it with this mystery where, uh, uh, man Thor doesn't know, um, who Thor is. And, mm -hmm. uh, so he's, you know, he's kind of trying to discover that, but he pretty quickly is humbled. And, you know, when Mjolnir, his hammer, what won't allow him to <laughs> pick it up, uh, mm -hmm. man, man Thor is sort of, you know, resigns himself. Like I'm not Thor anymore. I'm Odin's son. Uh, and Thor is Thor. So Wait, wait, wait. So, and I'm not, I'm not going to, I don't want to intentionally spoil because I, I figured out, you know, I think we either talked about it or I found out who right. the real identity is. But is it like the, the is it like the sword of He-Man where like once you pick it up, like you physically transform in a way that you're not so recognizable or that you, because my, my first, once I found out who She-Thor is, I was, I was just like, why wouldn't he have recognized her? Well, why wouldn't have anybody else, you know? The, it's never clear. I I, I want to say that in those first panels where she's reaching down and picking up Mjolnir, um, mm -hmm. that that she's already sort of dressed like Thor. I don't. There's never uh, a clear moment of like she picks it up and it's like, you know, all of a sudden she's gotcha. Thor by the power of uh, Grayskull. Although when it you know at the end at in this volume it is revealed who it is, and I believe there is sort of a moment of that in reverse. You know okay. when <laughs> when she puts the hammer down, and there's a mention of like either in this volume or the first one, like, why are you wearing that mask? Because the helmet now covers her face. Um, and I, yeah, it's just sort of not, it's not mentioned except that it's, it's clear that she's keeping her identity secret um, and clear that she's keeping her identity secret from Odin's son. And uh, there's a, a, you know, the part of the theme of um, volume two is he has this list of suspects you know, and he's kind of going to them and um, it, thinking it's, it could be the shield agent. And so that involves this um, sort of backstory and current story with this particular shield agent um, where both Thor and Odin's son encounter her. And it's, you know, it's just like, it was just really well done. Um, I, it's, <laughs> I feel like the tone of my voice indicates like, wow. A Marvel comic was well done, but I mean, obviously, Marvel comics are well done. They're freaking yeah, professional. They're like we, amazing, you know. After um, we go fanboy on Image for a while, I mean, it's it's you kind of forget. I mean, yes, that's true, but like after after you're bombarded with such perfect creativity from a single label, you're just like, well, is anything going to be as good as that? you kind of you kind of have this weird. Like I notice it too. Like every once in a while, like I um, there's a couple of DC things I I read each month. And I'm always just like, it, it, I go in with this weird prejudice, just like, oh, this isn't going to be as good. And Do you it, feel it's it, like what you're watching like a, a network sitcom versus yes, like an HBO yes. series or something? It's a perfect, <laughs> perfect in, uh, comparison. It's exactly. it's, <laughs> yeah, it's um, like, yeah, good Big Bang Theory is funny. It's just, I don't know. It's like, <laughs> Boardwalk Empire, man. It's on right now. <laughs> right. Right. I'm not I'm not going to change like put, you know, schedule my evening around a Marvel comic book. But um but honestly, I mean it, there's probably you know a good bit of I, the Marvel and DC books that I continually read, I think are excellent. Mm -hmm. There's that I don't ever although I 
made that analogy. I don't necessarily feel like, you know, I'm flipping on network TV when I pick them up. Um, But that's because I'm being choosy about them. And, you know, several years ago, the new 52 was literally like they just, you know, it was like Viacom just changed all my stations or something. And I was like, what the hell is going on? And, (laughs) you know, it's nothing but two and a half men reruns or something. And I'm going, this sucks. But, um, but there, but we really do have to call out even earlier than that, which is, and we got to do a podcast on this sometime, which is dedicated to how we got back into comics as adults, because, um, I, I probably had a shorter uh, gap than than you did. But, you know, it was like I just I had like a gap that was like, you know, I'm picking up a comic book, one comic book a year or something. OK. And, uh, but um, part of that was bec- and I, I had this uh, this uh, this friend at the time we were working at the same job where, and we talked about comics all the time. And it was during the Civil War era in Marvel. And I was like, dude, I hate the art. I go to the comic book <laughs> store you know, every couple weeks and I pick up the, you know, the major comics and I just, I hate it. It's, I was, there's this thing where they all started doing sort of, um, instead of the, uh, panels on the page that are surrounded by white space, mm-hmm. they, Marvel was, you know, filling them in black or doing these, you know, um, oh, full, full bleed, uh, kind of designs. And it was just, you know, it was like early, you know, digital stuff was being done and I, oh, I hated it. Mm-hmm. And you know, but I remember buying the issue, like the death of Captain America at the end of Civil War. So I know, you know, there were certain issues that I would pick up, but, you know, so we really do have to credit when I got back into it and I was buying trades and I was buying Dark Horse and, and then eventually Image. Mm-hmm. And it sort of like cycled me back in, you know, Marvel and DC had to raise their game. Yeah. Just visually. And, yeah. and they did. So I feel like, you know, obviously they have the resources to do it. Um, I, uh, Thor Volume Two was just as great as as uh, Thor Volume One, Goddess of Thunder, and um, one of the real treats for me was in the end of Volume Two, uh, they they include the Thor Annual, which has uh, like a, a three or four stories by different um, writer artists, and mm-hmm. um, uh, Rob uh, Guillory, uh, who does um, Chew, did one of the Thor stories. And oh, cool! So of course, I was like, "Oh my god, this is exactly how I want to see Thor is in the style of Chew." You know? Uh huh. Um, Wait, and, is that is that sarcastic or is that? No, no, no! I absolutely wanted to see that. Like, okay, I, I just like you know was so freaking excited. I had no idea this was in the book. It was like the arc ends, and I realized on my Kindle there were more you know pages to go, and I, yeah. I keep clicking, and I'm like. Wait, what the hell am I looking at? <laughs> like, this is the greatest thing I've ever seen. So, nice. um, it was that was super exciting. Uh, and th- yeah, so that's all I want to say about Thor. Um, nice, still enjoying well, it and love that treat. <laughs> I'm gonna have to jump. Well, and I'm kind of hearing you talk about, and this this might be one of those things that's on my list. You know, when, when I kind of hit a dry spell or when some of my image series uh, wind down, because I am noticing um, another aspect of the image brand is that they they often work with a lot of limited series like intentionally limited series much like the bbc you know you know p- creators on the bbc will go we're gonna do this show it's gonna be two seasons and then it's done that's it like it's, there's an intentionality to the the finale you know the ending and there's a lot of image series that are kind of that way so I, i'm finding that some of my favorite image series might be running you know, m- might be ending soon i might have a, a a space to to give thor you know give she thor uh, as it were a, a try yeah and you know that um and i think this is one of the things that got cut out of that that 
first podcast we done on, on uh, the comics was um, at that time I'd actually uh, uh, quoted um, <laughs> what's his name Layman who writes Chew, and uh, <laughs> oh my god. Anyway, he um, he had said this great thing about like you know he just he, he had tweeted this whole like kind of rant about like Marvel and DC and um, how he wished they would do short runs like that. You know, mm-hmm. like do a specific run that's totally outside canon. And I yep. remember he had this one comic book that was like, you know, <laughs> Captain America riding a T-Rex for six issues. Oh, well, I, right. I'm on board with that. <laughs> and uh, yeah, it was just, you know, like I was like, oh, God, exactly. That's what I want to see. And yeah. th- there is something great about that intentionality and that limited release. And yep. so yep. does that at all lead into your next pick? Um, no, not at all. But um, we can we can we'll make it we'll make it work. So kind of moving out. Well, you know what? There is there is a link because when you talk about intentional series, some of the some of the, you know, rock star creators right now are doing basically whole scale novel, you know, graphic no- novel size graphic novels where it's like there's no they're not even going to put out single issues. We're just going to put out this book yeah. and it's one big thing. And one of those guys is Brian Lee O'Malley, the creator of Scott Pilgrim, whom many people adore um as and for those of you who are listening, you know, Scott Pilgrim's a movie. Yes, that came after the comic series. There's a comic series. Long-ass pre- comic series. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So that same guy and, and, and using the same art, basically, not the same art, but that same style of art, created a, a book called Seconds. Now, if you've been in a Barnes & Noble graphic novel section, this has probably popped out at you. It's kind of one of those. It's, it's got a big, bright, uh, bright red um, dust jacket. Uh, it's pretty pretty hard to miss, and I think it just came out like the summer too, so it was probably you know in some end caps and stuff. But I, I f- first flipped through it at Barnes and Noble, and you know you, a couple comic stores have had it, you know that have had you know a deeper you know deeper shelves of like actual hard you know uh, hardcover graphic novels or pre- tra- trade paperbacks. And I was in Barnes and Noble, I was flipping through it. I'm like, this kind of looks cool, and didn't really get a sense of what the story was. You can't really read the back. Um, or the inside to really understand. And I kind of flipped through it, kind of flipped through it, and I was like, well, this will be on my list. I'll get it one day. Well, my birthday was about a month ago, and a good friend of mine actually got it for me. So I'm like, oh, crap, now I get to read it. Sat down one night, you know, instead of firing up a movie or TV, I'm like, I'm just going to see how far I get through this. And God damn it, if I didn't finish the whole (laughs) thing, like in a a single sitting, because it's one of those, the art is incredibly accessible. You know, it's, it's, it's that style. It's almost kind of a... A Japanese anime style that you know, there's very big eyes, very sort of deliberate, sharp kind of act, you know, uh, you know, uh, drawings of, of action and faces and physicality. So it's got a little of that, but this guy really, really uses. I mean, you could you could flip through this and not even read it and and have a pretty good understanding of what the story is. Like the visuals really right. hammer home both the humor but also just the story. You know, it's just it's really it's really good that way. The, I'll give you a taste of what the story actually is though. On that note. The inside jacket says this. Katie's got it pretty good. She's a talented young chef. She runs a successful restaurant, and she has big plans to open an even better one. Then, all at once, progress on this new location bogs down. Her charming ex-boyfriend pops back up. Her fling with another chef goes sour, and her best waitress gets badly hurt. And just like that, Katie's life goes from pretty good to not so much. What she needs is a second chance. Everybody deserves one, after all, but they don't come easy. Luckily for Katie, a mysterious girl appears in the middle of the night with simple instructions for a do-it-yourself do-over. And there's this card they show that, that pops up in the, in, the, in the book. It says, write your mistake, ingest one mushroom, go to sleep, wake anew. So this creepy little girl appears on her, on her shelf 
that looks kind of homeless and she kind of just mumbles and mutters to herself. And Katie's like, what is, what's going on? And this girl said, you know, this girl kind of like, you know, in, in almost like caveman talk, she's like, you know, just one, you know, just one. And she gives her this card. And so Katie finds out by using this card and, and eating one of these mush, these magic mushrooms, the events of that day will reverse to be whatever she writes in the journal. So she, and, but she'll wake up with the memory of what, huh. you know, what the original day was. So she starts off very innocuously. She, you know, one of her, waitresses burns her hands um kind of severely but she she, you know she takes her to the hospital that night she comes back she writes on the card that that didn't happen she and it shows it's really cool because it will show you um you know when she goes to sleep that night the art shifts and it shows you what the day would be like with that change in place so then when she wakes up that day is already in place and she remembers both so this starts she starts doing this she realizes it works really well she starts to mess with other aspects of her life, and this little creepy girl keeps appearing in her room, saying, "You're not supposed." Basically, telling her, "You, you, you use too many. You're not. You can't keep doing this." And Katie's just kind of like, "Yeah, whatever." Um, and the girl does like it's funny because the, the girl will get mad at her instead of like yelling at her, she'll like she'll blink her eyes, and Katie's entire room is completely rearranged, and like her bed and her dresser are like, in front of her door, so she can't get out. So she just move all her all her shit back in her room, like little things like that. And as the thing goes on, Katie gets more and more cavalier and she gets more addicted to, you know, every time she makes a mistake, basically writing it down and redoing the day. And she finds more mushrooms eventually. So she picks them all. It, there's very much a – did you ever see that Bradley Cooper movie? Um, uh, what is it called? Oh, God damn. It, it's, a, it's a series that came out. He took the – he had this like magic pill that essentially made him made his mind like really clear and he was really intelligent. Um, oh, my God. Anyway, that doesn't sound familiar. It's yeah, yeah I know what you're talking about. It's uh, limitless. limitless. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, it, not that it was the same conceit, but a lot of this, you know, because much of the same way, he gets, you know, he he gets one as as almost like a freebie, like, hey, try this, and becomes really addicted to it, and and kind of hoards it all for himself, and things go more and more awry. So it's very mirror stories of each other, and so you kind of see what what Katie does to her life, and then there's like kind of a crazy, you know, cosmic sort of uh, esoteric ending to this whole thing that I didn't see huh. coming at all. That's and you find out what what's really happening when she's redoing the day. It's not just quite as it's cut and dry as that. There's there's a major consequence building for every time she does it. So it's just it's really cool. And I just kind of powered through. It's really easy, kind of light read, but it's, you know it's got some cool stuff. The, and it's self contained, so it's like it's not like he's self contained volume two or anything. I mean, they could. I don't know. They probably pick it up with a different character. I mean, her story yeah. is pretty much done by the end of this. Hmm. Um, but it's, I mean, it's again, it's 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 long, and you know, it's two, I think, three hundred. What is it? Three hundred, three hundred twenty pages. Um, and I was originally going to get it digitally because uh, I, you know, I thought with it being that long, I'm going to want to flip through it on the Kindle and have the, you know, the cells enlarge as I flip through. And that's probably a good experience. But kind of going back to our our past conversation, I I'm thankful I have the book. Yeah. I think it was a better experience, and, and they do it in such a way that, like, you know, the what you sort of glimpse at on the on the you know when you you flip the page you see your left and your right what you're reading on your left you kind of you can't help but see what's on the right too and some of that it it actually really helps the context of what you're reading on the left like just kind of in your you know in your in your peripheral vision like seeing what's on the right you know seeing what's still to come the next couple cells helps hmm. just i don't know it's it, i don't know if that was intentional or just magically worked out that way but it i was i was happy for it interesting and it's so um, especially when we talk about art too, it's interesting that you'd pick a Brian O'Malley, uh, Brian Lee O'Malley book. Um, 
not that yours and my art tastes align all the time, but I've just, his art was what kept me out of Scott Pilgrim. Ah, and, and I became like a huge fan of the movie, um, uh, which feels like a really secret club to be in because <laughs> mm. nobody really liked it. It was um, a tough, it was, it was, it, 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 it was, was hard, a little too long. Find it's well, it took a while to find its 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 audience and its voice, and yeah, yeah. Um, but you know, even when I went back to the Scott Pilgrim books, I was like, oh, just can't, I can't do it. Um, so I've, I have, you know, but I'm always intrigued by it. I, I, I'm always interested in that, you know, where, um, uh, Japanese anime, uh, (laughs) yeah, I, I said, I was about to say anime style, but just that Japanese, um, comic book style, um, you know, mixes with, he's a Canadian, but yeah. Yeah. Well, this, I mean, I'll admit too, like I, when, when you see the Scott Pilgrim comics after seeing the movie and you see the art, you're like, that's the art really. That's the yeah. story works in that format. So I was a little bit, you know, when I first flipped through it, I was kind of like, uh, I was curious, but I'm like, this is probably not going to be good as after having now read it. I couldn't imagine this drawn any other way. Yeah. Like it's so the, the art is so specific to the tone of the story, the way that Katie herself is drawn. Like, again, as I said, like you can flip through this and, and get the story because she has for being such a simple, clean art style. They, they make her really expressive. Um, right. Much the same way like the South Park kids, you know, it's amazing what you can do with a couple circles and some lines to really yeah. to really lock in, you know, visual humor in, you know, expressive visual humor on an animated character. Like it seems like the simpler the animation is or the drawing is, the easier that is. Because yeah. it's just you know, we all identify with kind of very simple versions of those of the you know of the expressions and meaning you know meaning and feelings and stuff. So I don't know, I just I, I really love the because you know, again you she's narrating a lot of it too. So you know, she'll, you know, she'll be narrating and then she'll kind of be every once in a while, a character will break the fourth wall and be like, who are you talking to Katie? And she'll be like, Oh, nobody. And you know, she'll make like a really, she'll make like one of those faces where she's going, this dumb idiot, you know, doesn't, yeah. doesn't know how comics work. You know, it, it, you laugh, but even though the joke isn't delivered in the, that world, you laugh because she's still sort of talking to you or looking at you. So interesting. I love yeah. I loved it. Cool. We, maybe we could do, maybe we can do another podcast where it's just, we can just talk about manga and stuff. And, yeah, and, well, and that's storytelling of different styles like that, you know, because I think what he borrows from that Japanese style is pro- probably lends itself to the way he tells stories, you know? I'm, I'm, I'm woefully ignorant when it comes to a lot of manga, other than what I've absorbed through really knowledgeable friends. Um, so it'd be one of those things where I, I have a lot of, I have more questions than answers, which would be fun to discover, or get into. And I'm fairly ignorant, you know, I like what I like, and that's very limited. <laughs> But, but I will. I'm going to take something you said about seconds, which is about that digital versus um, print experience, mm-hmm. and flip it around. Talk to you about um, Batgirl Volume One, uh, Batgirl of uh, uh, Burnside, which mm-hmm. um, I read digitally, uh, and um, I enjoyed it digitally on the Kindle. But um, I, it, there was a really weird experience because I read it shortly after reading Thor volume one and okay. I thought Marvel did such a great job with the, um, I, 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 I know there's a, a term of art for it, but that directed view of where you're expanding one panel and you just tap and the next panel ex- is already and a shadow box kind of shadow yeah. boxes the rest of it sometimes. And DC's uh, conversion of Batgirl volume one to the Kindle was just clunky. And mm. it's, it's really 
you know, I'm really kind of disheartened to say that because um, I love the art so much. It's uh, by Babs Tarr and Cameron Stewart. He also writes it. Um, and it's, uh, it's like, it's just such a, a, you know, a good looking book that to have it sort of malfunction almost, you know, where I'm like having to tap it like two or three times and you know make sure it's like going to the right panel and, or, you know, it would shrink down the panel. And hmm. anyway, it was just, um, it was just clunky. And it, it definitely took me out of that experience where the, you know, now the two Marvel books that I've read that way, um, the, well, the Thor directed views in Amazon Kindle were just so smooth. You know, I've read a ton of books as CBRs um, through an app that's, I think, just called a comic viewer on Android. Okay. And um, those, so those are just like scanned in comics and that app just renders them like, you know, you're looking at a page, you can zoom, you can flip it, landscape or portrait. Yeah, almost. And, and there's just like a forward and backward button. So once you add that layer of interactivity, it's like, you got to make sure it works smoothly, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. But that said, uh, I, as much as I hated um, the new 52 and this whole, like, I just, I'd so gotten into I mean, it's such a dumb thing to bitch about at this point. It's been like seven years or something. <laughs> but at the time that, that DC rebooted their entire universe, I was so into the Bat family at the time, you know? Oh, okay. And um, Batgirl at the time was, uh, uh, they had a new Batgirl right before the New 52 named Stephanie Brown. Um, and uh, uh, um, Barbara Gordon as the Oracle was kind of, coaching her as Batgirl. Um, and it was this, you know, plus there was a, uh, still a, a birds of prey comic book happening. Um, and it, it, there were, there's so many cool things happening in the Gotham universe when DC just up and rebooted the whole thing Ugh. and made Barbara Gordon, um, the Batgirl again, but sort of did this weird thing where like, she'd still been paralyzed and shot by the Joker, but it's so amazing how much of it's like, all these one-shot kind of books that don't matter except The Killing Joke seems to be like, right. you and know, it, it's just, and not even just The Killing Joke, that specific aspect of The Killing Joke. Like, yeah. you know, the, the ending you know, is, is, is kind of still debated hotly. So it's like, you know, and, and they don't, I don't know if they necessarily in other issues refer to The Killing Joke incidents, but Barbara Gordon is still wounded, like, you know, in the regular universe. It's bizarre. Well, right, exactly. It's like somehow that became canon and the rest of the book was sort of like Dark Knight Returns or something. Like, hey, Barbara, why are you? Why can't you walk? She's like, well. And so I don't even know in the re, in the New Fifty Two, like if I, I really don't even know how they cover that. I just know they talk about her recovering, uh-huh. you know, and like there's some miraculous surgery or something. But um, but it's sort of but it, the, you know the timelines don't sync up or anything. It was so great before, like she was sort of you know an age appropriate person for that to have happened several years earlier. Now it's like, well, she's 18 in college and you're like, mm. well, how, how are you paralyzed for years? And you were, you know, where did this, uh, it's just a mess in my mind. That mm. said, Babstar and Cameron Stewart have done just such a good job of making us forget all of that garbage because <laughs> they presented like, you know, this is Batgirl in a new, um, hipster universe with a mm-hmm. definitely new look art wise, you know, new uniform, which is super cool. Like this costume that she has. Um, so basically Batgirl lives 
in, uh, you know, <laughs> Williamsburg. I mean, that's it's okay. like she is in Brooklyn, basically, of Gotham okay. called Burnside. So there's all these like hipster references and um, the first volume. Uh, she, you know, there's a, a whole social media component to it um, as to who she's uh, going after and, you know, who's targeting her on social media. And um, it's just, it's like, it's really well done. Um, it's one of those stories too, where uh, it's not like what you were talking about with the islands. It's not so super clever and meta that it's just commentary on our yeah. lifestyle. It's, it's one of those things where, um, it's just going to draw such a, a huge audience because, you know, um, young people can be into it. Teenagers can, can relate to it. Um, the people our age can look, sort of look back on it and, and picture, you know, Batgirl as, as a 19 year old, 22 year old, whatever she's supposed to be at this point. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's, you know, it doesn't, it doesn't really alienate anyone. You know, it's not so, in, it's not so insidery that yeah, you, yeah. You, you don't care about it. And it's not so meta that it's like ironic or something, you know, it's like, it's just, it's just right in that sweet spot. And I just, I love books like that. Um, and Batgirl wise, one of my favorite trade paperbacks is Batgirl year one, which is so well illustrated and does such a great job of telling the Barbara Gordon Batgirl story. And this, I think, I mean, I haven't heard the creators talk too much about it, but I think it just like, there's more than a nod in the artwork to that nice. trade paperback, you know? And it just, so to nice. me, it's like, Oh, finally, like we can kind of, I can kind of forget <laughs> all that like weird forceful like retconning that they were doing yeah. and just sort of enjoy a backroll story. So I'm I've been I was really happy with it. And I know we tried to talk about it on other podcasts and 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 it might have been one of the ones that got cut out and it might have been I just uh hadn't read the entire volume, but I definitely wanted to mention it here. So, so buy buy it but don't buy the uh, Kindle or digital version if uh <laughs> <laughs> I hate to be so adamant about that, but well, it's important though. Like I, I've had my stray, I've had a stray, and they're both DC as well. I've had a stray experience or two with that Kindle. What is that? I don't know what that format is called. I need a name. I think it's called guide. Guided View, actually. I mean, I, I've seen it done incredibly well, but I've had a few times where I'm like, "What is that? What? Ugh. Like the like the the cell it kind of expands for you, or shadow boxes for you is like half of what it should be, or it's right off center. It's like weirdly positioned on the screen. It's just. And then it doesn't, you know, I, I don't know. I've seen a lot. I've seen it done well, and I've seen a, a couple of versions where you just that might have been the case here. Because yeah. you were reading Injustice Gods Among Us that way, right? And I still am. Yeah, and that works really well. Like I like okay. it. I like it a lot that way. It, it you know, that's how I got into that in general because it was you know, it's a yeah, buck. It's, it's so cheap. Different. Yeah, but it's just like it's easy to it's easy to 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 roll through them, especially the the trade paperbacks in this format because it's you know it's like it's like watching the the animated DC series, you know. Yeah. On TV or something. So, yeah. Yeah. I, I, I mean, I'm, I'm, I don't know. I'm of two minds on, on Batgirl. I don't know whether to go back and buy volume one in print and then go forward, but um, we'll talk about this in our, in our upcoming section that we're closing the episode out with. I got some more thoughts on that. So, Okay. Hit me quick with your next pick. Yeah, it'll be quick too because this, this is, this is kind of a left of center choice. And it's my last choice. And it's uh, when I got seconds. That's by Paul Auster. Now, here's the trick. So I, okay. let me interrupt you because my audio cut out right there. Ah, sorry. Right when you said the title. <laughs> City of Glass. Yes. By Paul Auster. Adapted by Paul 
Karazik and David I, <laughs> David Mazzuccelli. There we go. Yeah, I think I got it. So here's here's the here's the deal with this. Um, and there's like in the beginning, there's like a whole sort of like four or five pages of of just sort of um, you know explanation about how this came about. And City of Glass was a novel, an actual just uh, unrelated novel that Paul Auster had wrote or written. And at some point, the, the guys who adapted it really wanted to dig deep, and I think they were given a creative edict to just kind of go go wild from their publisher and find you know find a novel they could they could adapt this way. So they chose City of Glass, and they had a specific drawing style, and they kind of just you know uh, Paul Auster sort of gave them carte blanche to take it how they're going to take it, and the result is this very. Um, and it's all black and white, which usually I'm opposed to, but it works really well here because there's a kind of a noir sort of sort of vibe to it. Um, and again, one of those where the the sort of the back jacket or inside jacket doesn't really give you a teaser that's much. But what it says is New York was a labyrinth of endless steps. And no matter how far he walked, it always left him with a feeling of being lost. Each time he took a walk, he felt he was leaving himself behind. All places became equal. And on his best walks, he was able to feel that he was nowhere. This is all kind. This this was all he ever asked of things to be nowhere. So it's about this. It, it gets really sort of um, intentionally Gary Stu because it's about this author who had wrote mystery novels who was you know creatively stumped and gets this call from this woman who's who's uh, I guess her she's a caretaker of this guy who's notoriously abused by his father and he you know nationally known and so he's kind of a psychopath but he thinks his father is coming back to kill him. Um, so this book author sort of takes it, takes the case like his, they, they, you know, he asked like, why did you call me about this? Like, well, you're, you know, you write these detective stories and that, you know, the, the Sherlock Holmes of those stories always knows what's knows what to do. So the author's author sort of takes that to heart and kind of goes off on this case. And, <laughs> but it, 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 it gets really weird after that, not weird in a cosmic or, you know, sci-fi way. It's just it story-wise, it kind of goes because of this dark, these dark places and, gets kind of insane and i don't know it it was not a it's not something you can just i mean you could but it's not something i easily read through in one sitting i had to kind of space it out because it asks all these questions and gets kind of very philosophical and uh but at the same time too i'm a fan of of people pushing the format and the art form in different new and unique places and this definitely does that so uh, for that alone i would say definitely pick it up and and uh, this name but <laughs> Mazzuccelli or Mazzuccelli or whatever he did mm-hmm. Batman year one which is oh perfect super okay. sketchy and dark and for which um the Batman Begins and Dark Knight series the Christopher Nolan series kind of borrowed a lot of those elements the gangster elements from I did not know this okay, one. yeah so awesome. that so that's really like you know, just describing it as like a detective novel that kind of goes in some dark places is that sort of territory I've seen that artist in before. So that's nice. really interesting to know. And so is it like novel length? Like, yeah. Okay. Yeah, it so, is. I mean, it's, I mean, it's, I'm looking at it. It's, it's, like, re- it's like reading a, a, a book. <laughs> yeah. It's, they're dense. They're small. I mean, it's a smaller book. So there's dense panels and stuff, but yeah. you know, it's about 130 pages when it's all said and done, but it's, there's a lot, it's one of those two where like, you know, you almost have to reread a couple parts of it. Cause you're like, what did I just, what was that? Cause it just kind of gets so, it gets so very heavy and heady and um, you know, it's not, it's not light and frothy like, like other, it's not light yeah. and frothy like seconds were. It was great. Cause I had seconds, which was this incredibly entertaining light and frothy sort of very accessible thing. And then I went from that to this, which was the opposite of that. So it was, it was kind of a cool, you know, bookends on the spectrum. Crazy. And when I Googled it, I found that the, 
the adaptation was sort of led by Art Spiegelman, which is crazy. Yep. Yep. That's the dude that did Mouse. Um, and that's just, uh, you know, <laughs> what a, what a, a nutty thing. So, yeah, um, yeah that, uh, that sounds very cool. That's another one that I now I just have to go spend money on more comics. Yeah, well, this is the problem, and, and especially as I've gotten further down the rabbit hole, and as Image seemingly just can't stop putting out go- cool shit, I'm just like my list. I have a list in Evernote of all the, the covers <laughs> of stuff I'm gonna I'm gonna get, which is a, this is a great segue, by the way. So I, I want to make I'm gonna make a couple quick mentions, and then we can we can yeah, jump yeah. into sort of what's what what's coming up for us. Um, two things that I've talked about and we've talked about before. That is to make sure people know I'm reading. Uh, one is Injust- in- Injustice, in- <laughs> Injustice, Gods Among Us, um, which uh, you know, was a video game. And then they have since they're now on, on quote unquote, season four of the, uh, I think it's five seasons, five years. So five seasons total will, will be happening. Um, and it's all the stuff that led up to the video game where Superman's an evil dictator all of a sudden and like, you know. Uh, all, of a, all of a sudden, that got headed that way from the get go. There, but but it gives you like this really great plausible kind of journey about how what takes him dark and what how Batman and his side of the you know it's kind of like their own version of Civil War, but it's it goes really you know gets really twisted in the event that kicks it off is really fucked up, and you're just like oh my it makes uh, makes the Joker's actions in Killing Joke tame by comparison so you can kind of see what would what it would take to tip superman off the edge but i i read i read that and enjoy it and it's you know it's, it comes out weekly so it's um you know it's it's easy to jump in and each issue is a buck or you can catch up on the trade paperbacks which now are there 52 issues a year i don't know probably oh, okay. no no they take no they take a break it's very much like a tv season they'll take okay. like a break of like a couple you know a month or two between between uh you know i think between seasons four and five or series four and five they took a break so they'll probably do the same thing right now they're battling the olympic gods so the first i think season Hmm. two was battling the green lantern Corps because like each time superman gets you know more out of control uh, you you think well can't the green lantern Corps stop him so they try you know it's like can't diana's people stop him you can't the other gods join in so like as this as this keeps going you know constantine is and all his you know, all his folks are the uh, kind of the focus of season three or series three. So uh, huh. they're well, kind of yeah. just slowly I'm, working through the pantheon of, of DC characters. So I have a really dumb question. Is it canon? No. I, okay. My understanding is this takes place um, in the Grant Morrison outline DC, you know, megaverse. I think this takes – there's okay. a certain earth this takes place on. I forget which one it is. So weird. Okay. The other things I'm reading um, – uh, and this is something that I just, you know – Kind of on my journey back into being a being a or just into in general being a heavy comics reader, I got hooked on. Um, they DC has been doing a run of Masters of the Universe, which he man, right? Um, <laughs> but they they started off. They kind of did this really cool, what I thought was like an Elseworlds kind of thing, but it turned out to be a real a real story that's part of canon, and um, that kind of hooked me in. And now they've been doing this thing called the Eternity War, which you know. It's. I'm sure. It's. I'm sure the the comparisons to Infinity War are not uh, are not uh, coincidental. Um, you know, there's a character who basically a character from He-Man lore. So if you know who Hordak is, came along and was actually very responsible for the Shira side of the He-Man universe. Um, Hordak comes back and attacks Eternia, and 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 it's all leading to him having ultimate power over the universe. Um, so it's. I mean, there's a lot of. I mean, as I'm reading this, going, I don't know a lot about Thanos other than what I've seen on you know, TV cartoons and stuff. So I don't know the deep, you know, the deep sort of mythology there, but a lot of this seems very similar to what we'll probably end up seeing in either the Eternity War movies or what happened in the comics. So, right. 
Uh, not inter- the Infinity, Infinity, War, Infinity Gauntlet thing. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, kind of. And so they have their kind of version of that, which is interesting. I don't. Know. It's cool. So if you're into He-Man, definitely recommend it because they get into you. Know, they actually get into the origin of Shiro. My only complaint is that it gets it gets really meandering. So like it's only monthly. So you might get an issue that doesn't really do much. It kind of sort of you know Dragon Ball Z style gives you like a little bit at the very end, and you're like, God damn it, I gotta pay attention to this again <laughs> next month so it's like there's a there's a couple of that and then there's some issues where they just kind of run breathlessly through story and you're like yeah, and those are the moments you wish they kind of take their time with so it's a little odd pacing wise but you know it's, it's worth a go i i get it digitally as well because i there's really no reason for me to have the, the physical at this point um right. and then just we in a previous podcast talked about my love of another image title no mercy which i, I won't get into now but the trade paperback for that uh issues one through four has finally come out definitely worth worth getting and actually i had the conundrum of i had the first four issues i had three of them physical and one one of them digital because they for whatever reason didn't carry the fourth one in the store when i went in that day um but i was like i was always thinking in the back of my mind i, w- I kind of want the trade paperback it's yeah this, this is one of those stories where vol you need to read it in a single sitting like a single volume sitting because it just it's so bonkers after like the first couple pages um it's one of those, and I, it would be awesome to see this trans, you know, translated uh, into a TV show too. It could be almost like a, like the high school version of Breaking Bad. You know, it's kind of which starts. It's like Lord of the Flies, Breaking Bad, you know, sort of come you know, hybrid that starts off after, you know, what looks like, uh, you know, remember? Did you ever see the beginning of those Final Destination movies? You know, uh, where there's. I think the very first one, they're going to get on a plane and everything's all hunky dory, and these kids are like, "We're going on a trip together." All right, you know, and then just you think this is just a, you know, a, a high school sort of social media comic. And then it just goes completely off the cliff huh. figuratively and literally. Um, and you, anyway, so pick that up, but it, it brings up the, the conundrum I had where I had three issues of this and then one digital and I wanted the trade paperback. So I got it, but now I have these issues and this is not one of those comics now or probably anytime soon is going to be, you know, you know, I'm not, I'm not going to be able to walk back to the store and sell it for twice the value. Right, right. I may be able, I may not even be able to sell it for half the value. You know, it's it's you know when you talk about three dollar issues, I, I might be lucky if I go back and get like a dollar at this point because they you know they they're still carrying them obviously and um and I'm some I'm wondering I I haven't had this problem like when I had you know when I had to get rid of my CDs as I was scanning a good chunk of them to digital I I knew where to I could offload them at any number of stores to sell and when I, no one would buy them anymore. I could take them to the library. Easy done. Same thing with books. You know, you sell, you yeah. sell books at you know, bookstores or places. There are plenty of places that will take your used books for, for fee or for free. Um, and with single issue comics, I don't know, I don't know what to do. Is, is this a problem you've ever experienced? That, uh, well, um, it's, it's just one that I've never solved. Uh, <laughs> because, um, during that, uh, that, right before the new 52 heyday where i was buying like all of uh gotham city sirens and you know there's a a bunch of catwoman issues and batman and whatever and i was just doubling up i mean Mm -hmm. and and even worse than that i was doing this thing where um they were coming so fast and furious that i couldn't even read what i'd bought one week before the next week so i would go in and i'd be like did i pick up that batman or not and I would, you know, buy it and then come home and I'd have two issues of that Batman. Oh, the like, dreaded double God, issue. God, that's terrible. Um, and, then, and, then, and then I had this, you know, related problem, which is uh, some of those things I loved the whole – and this is probably unique to the big two, where mm-hmm. with DC especially, they'll do an arc 
And when they make the trade paperback, as far as I understand, correct me if I'm wrong, um, you know, listeners of this, be kind. It could be totally incorrect. But it's as far as I understand, thing. occasionally they'll pull out some issues that aren't actually in that arc. What? So you're not actually like, you know, it's I know at least for um, there's a run of uh, uh, a Power Girl that I loved. And I, oh man, I'll forget the artist that was on it. But I, uh, anyway, um, uh, and it was, um, I want to say it was Kieran Gillen. But anyway, it was so good, and when they TPB'd it, I don't think all the issues were in the TPBs. So I think you could buy like two or three trade paperbacks, but they didn't have, you know. So I oh, so I was stuck with this thing of like, wow. well, now I've got all this, I've got all the single issues. So why don't I just hang on to the single issues? See, that's the kind of bullcrap though that I the reason I didn't get didn't get into comics to begin with is because of that, where it's like. You know, you'd you'd walk in. You're like, well, I want to start on this story. Like, well, this story's been running for 40 years. Like, well, okay, uh, maybe I start here. Like, okay, cool. So you're gonna want to buy this trade paperback, this giant volume, these five issues, which don't appear in any of this. I'm like, I don't. This is way too complicated. I don't. And it's it it drives me nuts because it's clearly proven successful by Dark Horse and Image and those you know those other labels to you know. Have the have the story, then just simply repackage the story, add whatever you'd like, and then do it again in ten years, and you can make it a hardcover and charge even more for. It. Like it's just make it literally what you know. It's like the music business. Like you have these songs on these albums. It's this greatest hits. You know, back when that was a thing. Um, yeah, and it's uh, it's frustrating. Yeah, and I think the way that Marvel does it is, I think um, when it comes to trade paperbacks, I don't know, man. They did so many crazy things when they started putting out those like complete volumes of it. So I don't know that, I don't know that they get around to doing everything that way, but um, it's, you know, it's definitely frustrating when you, when you have to make that decision between. Yeah. uh, Because, because you pinpointed um, something that some, some friends of mine have been doing, which is they'll have as, you know, as adults where they feel like they're not necessarily like super collectors of, of, you know, every, medium out there they have been taking at least a couple of my friends have been doing this where they'll take like their individual issues of um dark knight and sell them on ebay Mm -hmm. and then just sort of take that money and buy the trade paperback you know or or buy the nice hardbound edition of it to get you know just to you know because you know they're they're adults and they got a house and they got a shelf to set it on and stuff yeah it's like well it's like and you realize too like i'm I'm facing the same problem with east of west so they have volume or sorry year one which is like this first sort of super collected hard some people would call it an omnibus it's not really that because the series isn't done yet so i'm sure there one day will be like you know the 800 page east of west omnibus but like it's this it's the first three trade paperbacks i think which is the first 15 issues um in one thing it's hardcover there's this as they tend to do with hickman hickman releases you know these kind of collectors releases there's the first issue script all the way through with his notes on it concept art so it's a great little package and i'm sitting here going well i already have the story in these three trade paperbacks but this looks cooler it's bigger you know in terms of the, the art is bigger and just looks some like well if i get that and it's I mean, and on Amazon too. It's pretty reasonably priced too. So if I if I get that, then I'll have it and these three trade paperbacks. So it's you know it's the same issue as I get the trade paperback and I've got the you know the singles. Like what do I? I guess the TPs are a little bit easier to sell in regular bookstores though because they're you know they feel like you can get those in a Barnes and Noble in the graphic novel section. Like they don't right. sell single issues. They do sell these. So I could see the resale being a little easier if you're upgrading. But it's, it's the single issue problem, which leads me to another question. And this may just be 
my my still newbie sort of way of thinking. Why doesn't every comic book store function like a baseball court, uh, baseball card store, sports card store did in the '90s, where <laughs> you buy new stuff there, but you can bring your old stuff in, and there will be they will take it in some way, either really really cheap, or you know they'll pay if it's obviously rare or something they need. But it's just assumed that you walk in there and you can trade up, or at least bring your stuff in and not feel like they won't you know they'll it, send you away. Digital man. I think that is t- is totally the fault of digital. I mean, you know, in the eighties and nineties, like the Great Escape in Nashville, uh-huh. I I definitely took old comics into. They didn't give me any money. I mean, I didn't get a lot of money at all because generally they ended up in the twenty five cent or the fifty cent bin or you know, oh sure, something like that. Um, so you know, on the flip side of that, I was a great beneficiary of that because that was how I would just find new comics out was just dig through the the cheap bins. Nice. But I you know the problem is that it's like unless it is like a collected series and it's in perfect condition, nobody cares. Yeah. You know, yeah. so um but I mean well, it, or it, I think it's turned into a the most successful TV show on cable. You know, you can go back to Walking Dead <laughs> issue one, which is going for you know a lot of money right now, or those yeah. first five anyway. You know, so it's like I'm kind of hoping I actually on that on that premise, I was in a position to buy some really cool variant covers of uh Wicked and Divine. I'm like let me just grab these. Just they're super cool looking, and if you know, nothing happens, I'm out like what you know, six, seven dollars. But <laughs> you know, this could be a cool. You know, if I can even get like twenty for one of them down the road, it'll be have been worth it. So it's I'm kind of in that weird, and and I have sort of obsessed over the last two or three years with eliminating all my physical media that doesn't have a intrinsic, you know, purpose to it. Like it's it's beautifully collected or creative or, or well-made or has some kind of, you know, incredible nostalgic value to me. Like if it doesn't do that, if I have, if I can get all my music high quality on Spotify or I already have it ripped, what's the point of having like a piece of plastic on my shelf? Likewise, if the, you know, if a, if a book has crappy paper and horrible printing and I can just get the Kindle version, I'll, you know, just get rid of it. But if it's you know something cool, I'll, I'll, I'll keep it. And I'm kind of like being, I've been very intentional with my comics purchases because a, I love, I love a lot of the digital iteration, so it's just easier to do that. Um, and B, it's like I've only ever been interested in buying, you know, trade, you know, hardcover trade paperbacks or just hardcover volumes, that kind of stuff. So it's my collection has been evolving more, more intentionally. But I still, I'm, I'm hitting that point now where I'm like, well, I don't want to keep all these singles. You know, it's like I don't want to just have bins and bins of singles that I'm gonna have to deal with someday. So how do I, you know? Um, I know. It's, it's, I mean, I, I, yeah, I have no, <laughs> I have no. If you can help us, call now. Tweet well, now. I just think it's such a great it's such a great subject uh, for us to talk about because it's it, you know it's something we struggle with, but it's I I don't know I I just like being on that that moment of change of like you know it's a, like because I I I'm like you I just I don't want bins and bins of comic books but, yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, but they need to be accessible to me in some way and yeah. so far. I, you know, as much as I've liked some of the guided view comics on Kindle, it's not, I wouldn't call it accessible, you know, mm, I don't know, but, um, yeah, it's, uh, so I, I, I have a, a completely stupid, um, and not at all, <laughs> not at all the same, uh, conundrum, but, um, I have literally for the past two months, uh, operated on the premise that I was all caught up with saga. Mm. <laughs> and this was because I bought volume four, uh, which I thought was just this great, it was, uh, I really like saga, a quick recap. It's like a sci-fi story about, um, these two warring, 
races in outer space, this planet and the moon, uh, the people who live on the moon that surrounds it, plus these like robot uh, bureaucrats. They're, I mean, they're actually a, it's actually a royal family of robots that um, I, I don't remember which, which planet or moon they run at this point, but it's just, you know, it's totally weird and it's, um, and it's sci-fi and there's uh, very, very cool art. And um, so I love, I love the series and I thought I was all caught up. That's because I bought volume one, went to Comic-Con <laughs> volume five was not out yet. Uh-huh. And I had this conversation with my friends where they all said, no, 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 it, it comes out in like two weeks or next week or whatever. And we said, why isn't it here at the con? I left con and for some reason thought like, yeah, I, I got, I got it. I'm all caught up. Mm-hmm. Like I, you know, and I'm like, like literally volume five has come out like two months ago and I didn't even look at it because in my brain I thought, no, I'm <laughs> I'm caught up. Remember that conversation at Comic Con? Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, I never actually been sitting it. out there in the world waiting. So for you. I feel so stupid that I'm like, you know, I, I don't know. I, like I'm, you know, I'm I'm a whole volume behind. Um, hey, that's almost a good thing. That just means you can you can I know it that cool. sucker it's and like run awesome. it through when you're really you know feeling like oh man it's gonna be a while. Or if they go into hiatus or something, you you might be able to <laughs> you know stave that off. Well, I feel like I, I kind of feel like, um, oh, I know there's another volume out there that I'm going to love. So yeah, yeah. I, can, I, I need to correct this right away. That So I'm putting that on my coming up list of like, I'm going to read that. Um, one of the others that, you know, that fits into that, like, do you buy the digital? Do you buy the single issues is uh, Catwoman volume one for me. Interesting. Um, which uh, now, I think this- it's, I think it's volume one. They, they, it's another, it's not a, in DC terms, it's not a reboot. It's um, uh, it was just a change in creative teams and creative direction. Ah, uh, okay. And in this, so this is one where I had bought one or two of the single issues. Uh-huh. Um, but I, it was like I was buying them like the week after. You know, wasn't I? I had missed the release schedule or something. Um, and so, uh, but you know, I was never quite caught up, and I and I just sort of put it aside and went, you know, whatever. We'll see when the uh, trade paperback comes out. But it's about um. Uh, it, it concerns Catwoman becoming the head of this organized crime family, and Whoa, really? I've, yeah, and I've just so I, you know I, the art was fantastic, and I kind of I'm I can't I speak to the story because I didn't I didn't read enough of the story you know in the single issues to know um you know what was going on, but I just the art was fantastic, and I've read other reviews that have said yeah this is this is really great, and specifically Catwoman is they were saying this Catwoman character is such a great character when she's not being Catwoman, like, you know, who, who would have thought? So she's one of my like enduring, like favorite characters, um, of all, you know, all, all time. So, um, I'm always a fan and I definitely didn't like the previous, um, writer on the series. I just wasn't doing it for me. So I'm really looking forward to that. Um, and then, uh, uh, Chew Volume Ten is another of those kind of saga mix-ups. Although I was very, <laughs> I was very aware that I mixed this up. I just okay. never, I never bought Volume Ten because I was, I was confused. Like, did I read Volume Nine? <laughs> gotcha. So well, that, it's hard when you, re- when you. I mean, I, I'm. This wasn't a problem previously. Now, it kind of is where I'm like, um, I've got so much now on my plate reading wise. Where I'm like, did I? Have I seen that already? Like, you know, I mean, obviously the stuff I really, really, really care about. Um, I'm keeping a very close eye on, but some of these like other series where I'm just sort of passively going through them, I'm like, and I, I feel it's going to get even harder now with Island having, you know, their their issues, but not, you know, the, something in Island you like may not be in the next one, but it might be right. two 
you know, two from now or you know whatever that ends up being so so but you're pretty you're um gonna pick up island four that'll be on your coming soon list uh well i i was but now i'm i'm seeing now that um, um ancestor is is coming back in five i might wait right. till five um i might go back and check out one and two the art each cover is completely like each cover and title treatment is just completely a new design every time so there's a collectible aspect there i really i really dig about it i just don't want to have you know two years from now i don't want to have you know 52 island uh magazines now that i <laughs> i appreciate but it can't cart around with me everywhere i go so yeah i don't know it's, yeah. it's tricky yeah well what else are you looking forward to that's coming out um on that note i was i was in the store and i looked at material number four and i'm like did i already get this and refusing to have yet another dupe problem i'm like i'll leave it and i'll come back next week and get it then if it's if it if i don't have it so should i get home and sure enough i didn't i didn't have it um <laughs> materials covers though are so unique and interesting that you you kind of think like why that i've seen that one and you kind of they announce them early enough where you you see the the new cover in your head enough times you're like well no i do have that so i'll grab that one and i'll probably grab number five around the same time um it's coming out at the end of october so uh it's just a cool I mean, i'll i'll cover cover material in another uh episode but it's 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 a cool series very interesting by the same guys who do zero um so it's a you know, it's kind of like that, and then um, I would say the other thing that caught my eye. I have very little knowledge about this, but I I've seen the covers in the store now and then. It's a, it's a series called Injection, and I've learned a little about it. The cover this week on the single issue looked really compelling, so I finally picked it up, flipped through it, and saw this might be something I might really dig. So the trade paperback comes out October seventh, and it's you know being the first uh, trade of the series, it's you know ten bucks. So I'm definitely going to grab that. And see if I can't get into the series. It looks it looks like it's it's worth a go. Huh. Yeah, I um flip into it on the image side. It looks awesome, you know. And you're yeah. obviously picking up Wicked and Divine Volume Two. Yeah, exactly. So Angel we'll Pain. um I feel like we ran way longer tonight than we thought we would run. So um but but it's almost it's <laughs> it's ridiculous because we almost have another entire show that we could do on comic books like tomorrow. Like if I just would yeah. read, I could just go to the comic book store buy these four things that i know already exist <laughs> yep um and and then we could just talk about them so, we could uh, so we, we could. will be doing that very soon whenever we um we're doing you know we're doing uh single topic shows and mm-hmm. uh and we're just gonna uh, fill in the gaps with comic book catch-ups when yeah and it'll be it'll be nice to have to do that oh those every week at, you know every other week or so maybe let a couple weeks in between because oh yeah, yeah. Know, it'll be cool to kind of prioritize what's really there's a bunch of stuff I left off this list that oh wow um, might might come back you know four or five things that I'm like well I'll, I'll get into this later because it'll, it'll take too long I didn't want to you know go overboard so yeah um, yeah you know, maybe those will, maybe if those will pick up steam or or you know a, a trade comes out that I can talk about uh, next time I, I certainly will well cool I think I mean I I don't know that we can come up with a good button for this one but I think we ought to just wrap it up. Yeah, just <laughs> I would say go out and That's grab a shitload all these... of comic books that you can go out. And we're going to start we you know he and I are going to talk about this in a minute but you we're going to start if you're listening to this early uh the website will have a lot of these lists running and if you're listening to this you know later on and um the website is awesome isn't it? It has oh, all these yeah. things on it and oh, we're yeah. you know we're yeah. we're it's the best website award winning. Yeah, so anyway, check check that out. We'll, we'll always try to keep everybody in the loop and I think at the end of the day if you pick one thing off this list that you like um our job is done so yeah and if 
if Image ever hears this and just starts sending us everything, that would be fantastic. I, I wouldn't. I wouldn't oppose that. We we are already such crazy fans. But that website will be toddandtaylor.com. Um, I actually also grabbed toddandtaylorshow.com. So, but oh, toddandtaylor.com's nice. the the main. The main. Okay. Part. Yeah. Um, I am Todd A, and you can find me on Twitter at heytoddA.com. And, and you are. I am Taylor Trask. I have uh, Taylor Trask, T-A-Y-L-O-R Trask on Twitter. And uh, I have a website too, just taylortrask.com, which I'm going to be doing more with soon. Oh, cool. I'm tired of you just this, – this is the most prolific dude. If you're listening at home, this is the most prolific dude I've ever <laughs> met. Like he writes more in like a week than I have – can even like think about writing in an email like you know that month. And I'm just like I, oh, I got I to gotta rework my game so I can at least not, oh. not catch up with you but feel like I'm, I'm – you know. In the in the plane in the stadium somewhere like I'm way over here. Yeah. Illusions, Taylor. <laughs> I'm just, I'm, it's all illusions. I'm not producing this much every week. <laughs> well, we don't have to know that. But anyway, cool. it's been it's well, been fun, man. We gotta we'll do this again soon, and 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 uh, I can't wait to to jump uh, jump back in next week on the next yeah the next. And- and if you're finding this podcast, you probably you might be finding it on my website, which is heytoday.com. Uh, go just hit the SoundCloud link because we have got at this point ten podcasts to listen to. Wow! Basically, I, really is it ten now? Because there's six in season zero. Oh, that's right. This will be season. This is episode four of season one. Mm-hmm. Um, so we are just like beating them out now. I mean, Man. that's you, you got you got a good twenty hours of listening. Maybe I don't know. <laughs> well, I don't know if they're all good, but you know, there's 20 hours of something. 20 hours of listening, <laughs> you know, to if, especially if we're like we've, we've got the the timbre of voice that sort of lulls you to sleep or something. I'm waiting yeah. for like a trucker to email us and be like, "Your podcast changed my life." Yeah, <laughs> driving cross country and this, I was going to commit. I was going to roll off a cliff because I can't take my take my job anymore, and I just I got to California. <laughs> Why wow, you you young boys are you're all right, you know something like that. That would be that would be. That would, that would make this whole thing worth it. If Again, I if we were talking about ghosts, we would be on the truck driver playlist, probably. Yes, yes, yes we would. Bring actually, that, that's a great bring point. That all, <laughs> full Maybe I should pretend to be a ghost from this point on and just see if anybody, you know, we have yeah. the listenership is small enough, I think, where it won't really matter. And those who know will be on the inside, inside scoop. And yeah, you know? Todd and Ghost Taylor show starting next week. <laughs> All right, with that, we're out of here. We'll talk to you later. Bye, everybody.